the Old Testament, God raised up incredible heroes to accomplish his plan on earth. Oftentimes, they're portrayed as superhuman and near perfect when in reality, they were normal everyday men and women with strengths and weaknesses just like everyone else. In this series, CMC's pastors will share the stories of these heroes of faith and what we can learn from them as we pursue God's call on our lives. Join Associate Pastor Paul Kern as he teaches on Moses. Well, welcome to session three in our series on Heroes of Faith. And I want to welcome those that are listening by podcast especially. It's always great to have all the ones that are listening to us by podcast join us. We have been developing in these character studies what holiness looks like. You know, our vision for this year is holy generation. And we have been trying to develop what, what does it really mean to be holy. We've established that being holy clearly doesn't mean being perfect. Because so far we've looked at a couple of different people and we've seen that they weren't perfect. And you're actually going to get an opportunity tonight to see another person who wasn't perfect. Holiness doesn't mean being perfect. It means being set apart to do God's will. And in this session, we're going to look at the life of Moses. Moses was an incredible man of faith. He was a man of great faith. Moses entered the world in a desperate condition. The world was in a really bad place at this time. His people, the Hebrews, suffered horribly under the Egyptian taskmasters. They were hated. They were oppressed. They were mistreated. They were maligned. They were misused. Many were murdered by Pharaoh, who was the Hitler of Moses' day. Moses was, as an infant, was placed in a basket by his mother, and he was sent down the Nile and found by Pharaoh's daughter and raised as a prince of Egypt. And just for the sake of time tonight, I'm going to omit a lot of the minute details about Moses' life just for time constraints, and I really want to just focus on a few things that I want to emphasize tonight about Moses. If you want to go to Acts chapter 7, we're going to be reading out of this text for the majority of the time that I'm going to be talking. Acts chapter 7 verse 23 is where we will start. Acts 7:23 says, "Now when he was 40 years old, it came to his mind to visit his brethren, the children of Israel." Now, I'm sure this wasn't the first time that this thought occurred to Moses. You know, the Scripture doesn't really give us a lot of clarity on this. But, you know, I don't believe this was the, the first time that the idea of deliverer came to Moses' mind. You know, it says um, Moses had this, had this thought and as I think about it, I'm sure Moses had a lot of opportunity to see the Hebrew people digging, hauling, moving rocks, landscaping, doing all, dragging stones. But somewhere along the way, and Scripture doesn't say, but a plan began to form in the mind of Moses. As a matter of fact, you can look at Acts verse 24, and it says, in seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man. So this idea of deliverer 
was in Moses' mind. We know that it was in his mind because he saw one of the Hebrew people being abused by, once again, an Egyptian taskmaster, and he thought, i got to come and, and defend this person. i got to come and save this person, help this person. And you know how it is when, when you know God's will for your life and things aren't really happening fast enough for you, and so you want to you help jumpstart the process. You ever been there? You know, we want to help God along, kind of get things moving a little bit faster. You feel like you need to help God. And you don't really read in the Scripture anywhere where God told Moses to go out and kill a man. God never told Moses to go and kill anybody at all. <clears throat> and without realizing it, Moses put his life in a very dangerous position. As a matter of fact, the Scripture says that, you know, because of this, Moses had to, he had to flee. Moses got antsy. He got anxious. He got impatient. Have you ever had that feeling? As you're trying to follow God's will for your life, you get antsy, you get anxious, you get impatient. Things aren't moving fast enough. Desiring to carry out the will of God, eager to do the things of God, he forced a situation that led to his disaster. He took matters into his own hands. He floored the accelerator. He jerked the wheel. And, and Moses put his life off in a ditch. And that was never God's plan for Moses that this would happen. Now notice, Moses did the right thing at the wrong time. And I think this is a very important lesson for us to learn, church, because, you know, God can speak things into our life, but that doesn't necessarily mean that God's saying, I'm giving you the green light. God may just say, look, I I'm going to introduce some thought to you. I'm going to spark a dream in your heart, and I, I, I just want that to percolate. I want you to meditate on that. Let, let, let's let this thing marinate a little while. Let's allow this, this dream to, to mature. You know, you're here in, in the gathering tonight, and you know, you're not out committing some awful sin. No, our temptation is to react to the current circumstances instead of waiting on God's timing. We've all been there. And you know, matters only get worse when we get impatient and in a hurry. As a matter of fact, look at verse 24. And when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, he defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. Now watch this thought. And he supposed that his brethren understood that God was granting him deliverance through him, but they did not understand. See, Moses believed himself to be the deliverer many years before he was recommissioned by God at the burning bush to actually go and be the deliverer. And it's really funny, the next day the Scripture records that Moses goes back, right? You know, he kind of looked around before he, before he killed this guy, but the next day, Moses goes back. And, you know, we just kind of follow that train of thought because I'm sure that Moses is thinking, I'll go back the next day. I'm going to have a whole lot of people going to crowd around me and go, yes, Moses, you, you're our deliverer. You're the man. But he got a little different greeting. Look at verse 26. On the following day, he appeared to them as they were fighting together. Now, number one, I'm sure as Moses was you know, getting out of the chariot or whatever, 
that wasn't the scenario that he had playing in his mind. A couple of Hebrew guys in a fight with one another. I'm sure in his mind, he was pulling up, but there was going to be a crowd of people gathered around him, and they're all going to be cheering his name because Moses just, you know, stepped up and was the hero for us. But so he gets out and he sees these two guys fighting together. He tries to reconcile them to peace by saying, Men, you're brethren. Why do you injure one another? But the one who was injuring his neighbor, he pushed Moses away, saying, Who made you ruler and judge over us? You do not mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday, do you? I mean, what a put down. Back off, boy. Who died and made you God? Who do you think you are? Can you imagine how that must have felt to Moses? I mean, Moses risked his life for this man. And this is the appreciation that he got from his fellow Hebrews. Let's face it, church, we've all been there. We set goals, we spend time, we spend money, we put forth effort, we tell a whole bunch of people about what we're thinking about doing, but as painful as it might be for us to admit, goals not bathed in prayer, and brought before the Lord in humility, always end in failure. I remember a time in my life many years ago, as a matter of fact, I spent several hours counseling with our senior pastor here. I had an idea that I felt like God had given me and for an investment, and I, I began to pray over it and, and, and seek the Lord about it, and and this investment required me to get some property, and so I started looking for property around the area, and man, I found this piece of property, and I said to myself, this, this is it. This is the property right here. This is, the, this, is, this is what God wants to do. And so I went, connected with the landowner, and started talking to him about price, and it was really a little bit more than I wanted to pay. And, you know, the property, it, 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 was, it was good, but it wasn't great. But in my mind... God had spoken to me, I had this dream, and I was impatient. And man, I wanted it to happen. And the deal fell through. And church, I got to tell you, I did spend some time in prayer. I didn't spend nearly as much time as I should. And when that deal fell through, you talk about one dejected man of God. I was depressed. I was frustrated. I was disappointed. I began to question, God, do I even know how to hear from you at all? How many of you have ever been there? You know what I'm talking about tonight. You know, we, we get ourselves in these positions, and we can look at Moses. Moses jumped up and did this thing. He got ahead of God, and he had to flee to Midian for his life. Moses was, was crushed. He thought life was over. Just like us, when we, when we miss the mark, we think life is over. We think there's no possible way. We, we got into this deal, or we started this relationship, or we invested into this thing, or we made this decision, and it didn't go the way that we thought it was supposed to go, and then it all blew up in our face, and we think that life is over, but it's not. See, this was just the beginning of God preparing Moses for a bigger plan, but this time Moses would be much wiser. Because God was going to teach Moses and show Moses 
His will, His way, and His plan. I have a three words underlined in my Bible twice. And it's in Acts chapter 7, verse 30. It says, 40 years later. I underlined that twice. You know, anybody that knows me very well knows that I'm not the most patient person in the world. Bless my heart, my poor wife, she's put up with me for over 25 years. You know, I'm like, why wait for tomorrow for what you can have right now? And I have to always remind myself of this verse, 40 years later. God put a dream in Moses' heart that took 40 years to come to pass. You know, there's some people in this room tonight that are 40 years old. Between 40 and 80. You're just now getting started. Because that's where Moses started. Right? We see this with Moses right here in this scripture. See, it took this long to mature Moses. You know, we live in a microwave society. If it takes longer than five minutes to prepare lunch, that's too long. You know, I remember when I was growing up, when you turned the TV on, you even had to wait for the dumb thing to warm up. How many of y'all remember those days? There's a lot of people in here that don't, but I do. It was a tube TV, and you turned it on, and you just sat there for three or four minutes till you find that little white dot. And then it went, and it came on. <laughs> you couldn't say, hey, Siri, or okay, Google, to call somebody. You had to dial a series of numbers on a rotary dial with your finger for crying out loud. This is the way life worked. But that's the way life is today. Fast, quick, condensed, compressed, but not so in God's wilderness school. See, when it comes to walking with God, there's no such thing as instant maturity. Moses needed those years in the desert to unwind. God had to get Moses off the fast track and get him on his track. And church, sometimes it just takes time, just God just saying, you're not doing anything right now. You're just going to learn. You're just going to listen. You're just going to let me grow you. Man, it's so hard. And the truth is, God's work is painfully slow. Boy, I've been here in this ministry for almost 30 years. I have seen so much change happen. But I think back to those early, early years when it was literally just Tim and Terry and me and my wife and just a very small handful of other people and we had so many dreams and so much vision. I mean, we, we could see this in our mind's eye. But it was painfully slow getting here. Church, we have to be patient. God's work is painfully slow, but He hand-tooled Moses into a great leader over that period of time. We've got to be patient with God's process if we're going to see Him do the same thing in each of us. In Exodus chapter 3, and you can turn there if you would like, 
we finally see the call of God 40 years later on Moses' life. And it's so funny. Moses is in such a hurry for God to make this dream come to pass. And then 40 years later, when it's finally time, let me just read you Moses' response. It wasn't, yes, it's about time, God. I've only been waiting 40 years. No, watch, watch this. And, I, and I'm just going to read through some verses. Verse 11. This is after God appeared to him in the burning bush and told him what he wanted him to do. Verse 11, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? You know, you ever prayed those prayers and, you know, you had this idea of how you thought God ought to answer your prayer? As a matter of fact, you've even given God option A, B, and C. Okay, God, option A is the best option. This is the one that I would highly recommend that you take. But if that can't work out, you can take B. And then if you really have to, you can do C. And then what does God do? God's like, boy, I'm not doing none of that. That's so far away. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? We've all been in this position. And so when God came to Moses and said, I want you to go to Pharaoh, he was like, that's not what I had in mind. I was like, you know, you swooping in here and... You doing all this for me and you making all this happen. But God has chose to work his will and his way through us, not in spite of us. Verse 13, but Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and I tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? Verse 1. Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me? What if they won't listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Verse 10, here's another excuse. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. My words get tangled. And then in verse 13 through verse 15, we really, really see actually what Moses wanted to say to God all along. Moses pleaded with the Lord again, Lord, please send somebody else. <laughs> Just send somebody else, anybody, God, but me. And the Lord became very angry with Moses. All right, he said, now watch this, watch this, because our lead pastor talked about this with Abraham, with one of his relatives. All right then, he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he's on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both you as you speak, and I will instruct you both into what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people, and he will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. Do you know what God did here? He accommodated Moses' desire. And church, we have to be so careful that we don't get in arguments with God about what he wants us to do. Because what God will do if we argue with him long enough, you know what God will say? Go right ahead. 
take on out and do exactly what you want to do. You know, I think our tendency when God calls us to do something, I think our tendency is to allow fears and insecurities to get in the way of what God is calling us to do. We, Moses made a mistake here of, of looking at himself through a lens of insecurity and fear instead of looking at God and what God is capable of doing. And not only that, oftentimes when God asks us to do things, we want to take somebody along with us. We do. We just, we just want to take somebody along on the ride with us. Somehow that keeps us from really having to put our full trust in the Lord. We got somebody else that we can lean on. We've got somebody, we got a parent, we've got a business partner, we've got a friend, we've got somebody else that we can lean on. How many of you have ever started a business partnership and lived to regret it? Mm. How many of you ever got into a relationship only to wish you never, ever had have gotten in that relationship? God's call is a serious, individual matter in our lives. Now, I'm all for accountability, but God's plan does not include a buddy system. When God calls you, He calls you. And you can't test what God is calling you to do based off of what everybody else thinks you ought to do. You just got to do what God calls you to do. And my encouragement for you is to follow God's voice without distraction. God was saying to Moses, all right, have it your way. It isn't my best. You really don't need Aaron. All you really need is me. But isn't it funny how God wasn't enough for Moses? And you know, the, the bad thing about it is, is Aaron calls Moses some grief. Moses went up on the Mount Sinai to talk with God. And while he was gone, Aaron got into pagan revelry with all of the people. They fashioned a golden calf and caused all the people of Israel to commit idolatry before the Lord. And Moses came back down like, what in the world is going on here? But whose fault was that? Was it Aaron's? No. It was Moses because he reacted and responded to God's call out of insecurity and fear instead of knowing that God is more than able to accomplish everything that he is calling us to do. I want to give you three cautions tonight that comes with following God. Three cautions that come with following God. Number one, be certain it's God's voice. Make sure it's God calling you to do it, not the thrill of adventure, not the impulse of emotion, or a good idea from a friend. You can't go to college because your friend is going to college. You can't make a move somewhere just because that place looks cool or that place looks fun. You can't enter into another business or another job just because, you know, you had an idea to do it and you feel good about it. See, God has surrounded us with mentors and parents and counselors and teachers and friends and spiritual leaders. Filter what you think you heard God say through those people 
And then look out for warning flags as you're making decisions. Number two, be confident in God's power. God is looking for people who will put their confidence in His abilities, not in their abilities. You know, I remember when I first started doing ministry here, and many of you have heard my testimony, I grew up in in an alcoholic family, a very dysfunctional, broken home. I got saved when I was 23 years old. I moved to Arkansas, and I came to school at our ministry that our pastor and his wife had started. And God began to do a huge change in my life. And I remember when Tim began to give me some opportunities to speak, and they were small. You know, we had little different classes and things that we did. And I'm telling you, I was so scared. I was so scared. But I knew God had called me. And when you know God has called you, you've got to be confident in what God has called you to do. See, God is looking for people who will put their confidence in His abilities, not their own abilities. You know, I think about King Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. He says, For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Be confident in God's power. And the third warning, be comfortable with God's plan. Take God's plan the way God gives it to you. Don't tinker with it by bringing in an errand. Just do what God is calling you to do. Take the hard road rather than the easier compromise road. Just do it the way God is asking you to do it. <clears throat> you know, I, I just personally, and, I, you know, and I, I think it's good sometimes just for leadership just to share some mistakes that we've made. And there, there's mistakes that I've made. And, and, you know, the mistakes that I made wasn't because I was willfully defying God. The, as a matter of fact, most of the mistakes that I made, I was very sincere when I made them. I was sincere but I was wrong. I was sincerely wrong. And you can't be that. And that's why it's so important that you make sure that you are comfortable with God's plan. I want to conclude tonight by talking about three strengths of Moses. I've talked about some weaknesses that Moses had, but Moses was really an awesome, awesome man of God. He was a great man of faith, and he did some incredible things in his day. So I want to conclude with three strengths. Number one, Moses refused to compromise his commitments. Moses was a man that did what God asked him to do. He was faithful to do what God required of him, and he didn't veer off the path of obedience. Moses followed God's plan for his life. And maybe you're here at this gathering, and you hear God's voice saying to you, remove compromise from your life. And it's very important, church, for us to know tonight that God moves in our life from a a position of non-compromise. That's how God moves. So we got to remove compromise from our life and stay true to our commitments to God. God expects us to do fully His way, not partially His way. I think about Samuel talking to Saul, the great king. And he said, Saul, you're being stripped of your kingdom today. Not because of your disobedience, 
but because of your half-hearted obedience. Boy, what a powerful word for all of us tonight that we would be like Moses and we would refuse to compromise the commitments that God has called us to keep. The second strength of Moses, Moses willingly left the familiar to follow God. Hebrews eleven twenty seven says, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Moses was focused. Moses' mind was made up. There was no turning back. Think about it. Maybe you've worked for the same company for 25 plus years. All you know is that company. What would it feel like to quit in one day? Maybe you've lived in the same house as long as you can remember. You've reared your kids in that home. If you had it your way, you would die in that home. That was Egypt to Moses. Moses had never seen Canaan. Moses had never been to Canaan. But he left it because of faith. He left it because he was following the call of God on his life. And church, I think a major battle for all of us is things and places and territories, houses. We sink roots of security into these things. And not that there's anything wrong with roots of security, but we can't come to love them too much that we're unwilling to follow the call that God has placed on our life. And the third strength of Moses is Moses did the unusual. And man, was it an unusual ride that Moses went on. God asked Moses to do a lot of really unusual things. I just wrote down a few. Go and confront a ruler time after time who keeps telling you no. And God told him he was going to make him say no. Now that makes no sense to me. God, you want me to go to a guy to get him to say yes, but you're telling me that you're going to make him say no. I'm really confused. Smear blood all over the doors of people's houses to keep death away. Man, that'll certainly keep your neighbors talking. Lead millions of people into the desert with no visible means of support. That's a great idea. Pick up a snake. I don't think so. That one right there, I'm out. Strike a rock with your staff and talk to the rock in front of a whole bunch of people while they're watching and tell water to come out of the rock. See how that goes over with your friends at work. Here's a good one. Climb a mountain covered with dark clouds with lightning flashing all around. That's always a good idea to go talk to a God that nobody's ever seen. Today we look at Moses and we admire and we praise his acts. But back then it drew nothing but gasps and stares and harsh ridicule. And if you're going to fulfill God's call on your life, you're probably going to have to endure some of those same things too. As I conclude this session, I want you to remember, Moses refused to compromise his commitment, and so can we. Moses willingly left the familiar to follow God's call, and so can we. Moses did the unusual at God's command, turning a deaf ear to critics and naysayers, and so can we. Moses became God's man for a transitional period in history. When God called Moses, stepped up. Now, he may have been reluctant. He may have been frightened. He may have battled regret and self-doubt. But at the end, he yielded, and he became God's instrument 
for his generation. Abraham had his day. Joseph had his day. And Moses had his day. But this is our day. And this is our generation. And this is our time in history for us to leave our mark and make a difference in the world. And God is still looking today for men and women of God who are willing, despite weaknesses and doubts, become a mighty tool in His hand to change the course of history. Can I have an amen? Amen. Stand with me tonight. Let's pray together. God, tonight we thank you that you give us these people that we can look at, God, and that we can see that they weren't perfect people, but they were holy people because, God, they were willing to do what you called them to do. Lord, they made mistakes. They missed the mark, but you never gave up on them. You were full of grace. You were full of patience. And God tonight, may that message speak loud and clear to each one of us that you will never give up on us. You will never leave us and you will never forsake us. All we have to do is repent. All we have to do is realign our thoughts and realign our heart, God, and we can start afresh tomorrow morning because your mercies, God, are new every single morning. God, we thank you tonight. We praise you. Go before us this week. God, use us, give us divine appointments, and God, we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Christian Ministries Church weekly podcast. Join us next week in our Heroes of Faith series as we minister on Joshua 4.14.